You are listening to CCF Runthrough, timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to our series entitled, It Is Not About You. You probably know by now that this whole series is about worship, and worship is all about God. Now, I'd like to bring us to the subtitle of our series theme. Remember, it's not about you. But we have a subtitle here which may have gone unnoticed until now. So let me blow it up for you and let's discuss that today. The subtitle is How Worship Transforms Man and Exalts God. How does that happen? How does worship transform man and exalt God. Well, let me ask you, are there things in your life that you would like to see changed? I'm sure the answer is yes, but chances are you're probably thinking about circumstances in your life that you would like to see changed. But I'd like to submit to you today that the most important change, the most critical transformation that needs to take place is inside you and inside me. And it begins with worship. And who is the only one worthy of our worship? That's right. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And so the title of our message today is this. Worship Jesus, be transformed. What is the connection between worshiping and being transformed? Worshiping Jesus in spirit and truth, in authentic worship, and our lives being transformed. Well, the Bible tells us what the connection is. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, this is what we read. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It says, present your bodies. And obviously, when we present our bodies, we present everything else that comes along with it, our mind, our will, our emotions. In other words, worship is our total and complete devotion to Jesus Christ as our Lord, our Master, and our Savior. Now, where is the transformation part? Verse 2 tells us, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, we now, in our worship of Jesus, have the opportunity and even the divine capability of no longer conforming to the sinful patterns of this world, but instead being transformed. That's where we get the word metamorphosis. If you remember your, your high school biology, and it says we are able to renew our mind because when we change the way we think, we also change the way that we live. And that means our lives will be more aligned with the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I know that's a lot to take in at this moment. So allow me to kind of express in my own words my appreciation of this principle of how worship transforms you and me. Here it is. 
The more we worship Jesus, the more we know and love Him. The more we know and love Him, the more we want to please Him and to obey Him. And as a result, the more we become like Him. Which brings us to our outline for today. Remember, the message is, Worship Jesus, be transformed. Our outline for today is this. Worship, first of all, is all about practicing the presence of Christ. It's more than just singing two or three songs to Him on a Sunday. It is consciously practicing His presence through our time of prayer with Him, solitude, reading His Word, allowing Him to speak to our hearts. All of these are part of worship. And as we experience the blessing of worshiping Jesus, it allows us to see what's important to His heart. And that will allow us to be united in Christ, united behind His purpose, His mission of having more and more people in this world get to know Him as Lord and Savior. But again, we said that the message is critical, but the messenger is also important. So you and I need to be more and more humble like Christ. And in the end, the objective is for His exaltation so that more people from throughout this world will worship Jesus as their Lord and Savior. All of these things that I just described are found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And so that will be our passage for today. So let's begin. What is it about the presence of Jesus that is such a great blessing and is able to transform our perspective about life? Paul begins in Philippians chapter 2 by saying this, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, you know, as you and I practice the presence of Christ, as we have our personal time of authentic worship of Him, these are some of the blessings we experience. For example, encouragement, consolation, fellowship with Him. We experience His affection and His compassion. Let me give you an example of how that was true in my own life. Many of you may know that I lost my dear wife, Agnes, last April. We'd been married for 36 and a half years. A few weeks after I lost her was also a few weeks after I had been discharged from the hospital. Also, I felt like my life was turned upside down. I didn't know what my future was going to be. But as I was walking around the second floor of our house, just having a private time with Jesus, he gave me tremendous encouragement and consolation. It's something I didn't even expect, but I was so happy to receive. He reminded me that my wife, who had so many, so many physical, so many medical issues throughout many years of her life, was now enjoying perfection, joy, and peace in heaven. And there was one particular thing that came through my mind. It was dancing. Now, I didn't dance. But I remembered my wife always loved to dance, except that she was so frustrated because I, I'm probably one of the world's worst dancers. And more seriously, in the last year or two of her life, she already had trouble walking. What more dancing? But then I had the image that in the presence of Jesus, 
she was now dancing to her heart's content. It's really amazing how worship can transform us, transform our perspective about our circumstances. As we are blessed in our personal worship of Jesus, it should serve to unite us as we see more and more of the heart of Jesus. What is his priority becomes our priority. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in the next verse, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, meaning love for God, love for others, united in spirit, literally being of one soul. And here's the most important thing, intent on one purpose. What is that one purpose that we should be united behind? And that obviously is telling more and more people about Jesus and helping them grow in a personal and worshipful relationship with him. Paul said, make my joy complete. But you know who else will be truly joyful, exalted, and glorified when Christians are united in that purpose? It's Jesus. And that's why worship transforms man and exalts God. Look at what Jesus prayed for you and for me 2,000 years ago. In John 17, this was part of Jesus' prayer. He says, I'm not asking on behalf of these alone, meaning I'm not just praying, Father, for these 12 men. I'm also praying for those who believe in me through their word, meaning to say extended down through the centuries this includes you and me. Jesus was praying for you and for me 2,000 years ago. And what was his desire? His desire was that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Ultimately, what is the goal? So that the world may believe that you sent me. That is the heart of Jesus that more and more people throughout this world will know him and worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, having said that, I go back to our mission. The CCF mission is to honor God. It really begins with worship. And as an outflow of that worship, we want to make Christ-committed followers who will make Christ-committed followers. Because indeed, worship transforms man and exalts God. Worship Jesus and be transformed. Last week, Pastor Jim mentioned that by the grace of God, we have 46 CCF international satellites, meaning CCF churches outside of the Philippines. And the Lord has raised up a particular person to help oversee these 46 international satellites, of course, with the help of other servant leaders from regions throughout the world. This man is a longtime friend of mine, and I'd like to introduce you to him. His name is Pastor Danny Perez, and here he is with his wonderful wife, Grace. Together, Pastor Danny and his wife, Grace, are helping CCF members from throughout the world to be united behind the cause of Christ, to help other people know him, to have a personal relationship with him, and to worship him as their Lord and Savior. And so Pastor Danny and Grace, along with the other servant leaders on their team, 
are helping people from all over the world become humble like Christ. Because after all, it's all about becoming more like Him. And when they help people become humble like Christ, these are the passages that they use. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. As intentional disciples, we defined Christ-likeness or being transformed into the image of Christ as humility. Before we start our intentional discipleship, like couples to couples, and then uh, couples with their children for accountability, and then a single leader with his parents. What we do is we make them recite Philippians 2, 3 to 8 in a personalized way. I do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard grace and my children as more important than myself. I do not only look out for my own personal interests, but for the interests of grace and my children. I have this attitude in myself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Um, we realize that humility is the key to obedience to all, and it's the key to authentic transformation, transformation that is not lip service or hypocritical. We, we do reality checks, so to speak. Are we practicing what we preach? And of course, that will make me think to be honest and sometimes be uncomfortable about it. But these are good questions. How can I improve to be Philippians 2, 3 to 8, humble to you daily? You know, these are difficult questions, but questions that we need to ask nevertheless. And then we make a list of all the conflicts that we have in our families, like husband and wife conflict, parents, children conflict. Uh, we ask these of our disciples to be able to uh, make a list to be able to address them, to resolve them in a Christ-like, humble way. And we know that these conflicts will be resolved only by Philippians 2, 3 to 8, humility application, because this will allow us to obey all that we promise to do to others around us. When we humble ourselves to obey everything that He commands, transformation happens. I used to be a dictator, corporate person, and I kind of uh, absorbed that when I became a pastor, so I became a dictator pastor. I know that I am improving, but um, uh, not there yet. So because of ID, I became a servant leader husband instead of a dictator pastor. My wife also, from a suplada wife to a smiling, accommodating wife. And me, with my children, from a father, pastor who knows it all, and hey, come here, I'll solve your problem, um, which of course my children did like, I became a listening friend and father to my children. And because of that, there was 
honest-to-goodness transformation. God changed our children to respond to our humility and obedience. Not only that, my, my family, my siblings, God prepared them. God prepared their hearts um, together with their families to hear the gospel, to be saved and transformed. And let me show you, this is our family Bible study group today. Uh, happening in five different locations in the Philippines and the USA, and God has been faithful. It's really amazing. And you know what? That's not all. Um, aside from us, there are many other disciples all around the world today who are experiencing authentic transformation because of the way that God has shown them His enabling presence. And you know, because of intentional disciple-making, because of us being intentional disciples, God has blessed our ICP population in an amazing way. And let me share with you our ICP global numbers. In Canada, we now have nine satellites and two house churches. In the USA, we're equally growing, four satellites and 10 house churches. And um, in Europe, Europe of all places, we now have two satellites and 10 house churches. And the Middle East, the most vibrant, we have 16 satellites and um, 10 house churches. In Asia, outside of the Philippines, we have five satellites and three house churches. And down under, last but not least, we have three satellites and seven house churches. Isn't that amazing? In five years, God has blessed us with these great numbers. Why? Because we are transformed, disciples, Christ-like. And it is the best worship that we can ever give God. So to God be all the glory. He transforms us, Christ-like humble, when we make disciples intentionally. Worship Jesus and be transformed. As we come towards the end of our message together, I want to revisit those last few verses we read earlier and just unpack them a little bit more so that you and I can be truly in awe of this Jesus who alone deserves our worship. So let's go back. To verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. When the Lord Jesus Christ took the form of man, he never stopped being God. So he was 100% God, 100% man. But it says in this verse, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he never used his divinity for any selfish advantage. Let me give you an example. Remember that time when Jesus was being arrested and some of his disciples resisted? As a matter of fact, one of them cut off the ear of the slave of the high priest. This is what Jesus said. Put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. And then listen to this. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Now, that would have been so amazing to see. 12 legions, if you consider a Roman legion, 6,000 soldiers, so that would have been 72,000 angels? coming down to rescue Jesus? How awesome that would have been. But Jesus said, I'm not going to do that. And his reason? 
how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus was totally, absolutely committed to his mission, and that is to be your Savior and mine. And then it says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. You know, when I come across this phrase, being found in appearance as a man, you and I, we don't really know what Jesus looked like when he was here on earth. But this we know. In the Old Testament, there is a prophetic statement about what happened to his appearance while he was being tortured. And it says here in Isaiah 52, Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. What they did to our Lord and Savior Jesus is unthinkable. It is beyond our imagination. But he did it all for you and for me. Let me try and just kind of condense all of this so that we get the whole picture. Jesus was, is, and always will be God. Imagine the implications of that statement. That means that he is the creator and the sustainer of all things. Imagine the wonders of this earth, the majestic mountains, the lush valleys, the depths of the oceans and all that is in them. All of these are his handiwork. Imagine, for example, the, the stars and the galaxies and the planets, the mysteries of this universe. All of these he simply spoke into being. And you, my friend, you are his masterpiece. The Bible says he personally knit you together in your mother's womb. And yet Jesus, the supreme creator and sustainer of all things, the God of gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he took the form of man. Now, he could have come as the wealthiest, most powerful man on earth, but that's not what he did. He came as a bond servant. He didn't come as someone who was forced into slavery. He came as someone who completely submitted his will to another. That's what bond servant means. He voluntarily submitted himself to the sovereign will of his father. Remember what Jesus prayed? Father, if you are willing, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And so he became completely obedient to his father, even to the point of death. Now, it could have been a quick death. It could have been a dramatic and heroic death. But it was not. It was death on a cross. The most cruel, the most savage, the most shameful death that had ever been created at that time. For what? It was for you, and it was for me. And just like that old song says, Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more can he give? Oh, how he loves you and me. Friends, 
what is the appropriate response to this Jesus? Remember our definition of worship? Let's adopt it to this. Worship is the appropriate response to who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he continues to do. And at the end, after the humiliation of Christ, will surely come the exaltation of Christ. So let's end with these verses. Verse 9 to 11 says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. He came to save us and to sacrifice himself for us. But one day Jesus will come back again. And when he does, he will come as the conquering king and the righteous judge of all of the earth. And we are told that on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you see, on that day, there will be two groups of people who will be bowing the knee and making that confession. The first group of people, they'll be kneeling and bowing and confessing that Jesus is Lord. They'll be doing it with joy. They'll be doing it knowing that they'll be with their Savior in eternity forever from that day forward. And they're bowing with joy because at some point in their lives, they had already given themselves to Jesus to be their Lord and Master and Savior. But there will be those who will bow in shame and regret because they know that at some point in their lives, they had rejected Jesus and they decided instead to live only for themselves. So my question to you, my friend, is which one will you be? Will you be bowing in joy, in bliss, in reverence, or will you be bowing the knee in shame and regret? I pray that this day, this moment, you will bow your heart to Jesus and begin that transformation in your life as you receive him to be your Lord, your master, and your savior. Allow him to come into your life and you begin to worship him from your heart to make him number one in your life every single day. And I promise you, you will never regret that decision because he will change you from the inside out. He will forgive your sins and he will assure you of your eternal destiny. If the Lord has spoken to your heart and you want to respond that way, and I pray you do, will you pray with me right now? Just say to him, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you today for how you sacrificed yourself for me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I've lived my life for my own purpose up to this day. Lord, I desire a change in my life. And I know that only you can cause that change to happen. I want my life to no longer be about me. I want my life to be about you, a life of worship as you and you alone deserve. 
Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I give myself completely to you. And I bow my heart and I confess that you and you alone are the Lord and the Savior of my life. Transform me from this day forward to be the person you want me to be. For your sake, Lord Jesus, and in your name, I pray. Amen and amen.